Welcome to the 58 West King Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Tony. That is Matt. We've got a fantastic episode for you today. At least that's what Matt told me before we hit the record button. Would you care to explain that, Matt? Yeah, you know, you say things, you know, people say, hey, how you doing? You say good, even though you're not doing good. So uh, I said, well, we have an awesome show for you today. Um, I don't know that it's awesome. Again, we have not uh, recorded yet. We don't we don't pre-record the show before we record the opens. This is a cold open. We don't know how the show's going to go. Maybe we need to start doing that. We should. We should record the episode, then record the opening so we can give the listeners, yeah. you know, a good, a good, legit, you know. We don't want to lie to them. No, no. We want to tell them, hey, look, the next 50 plus minutes of your life are going to be well used or, or on the off chance that it's bad. Hey, go ahead and skip this one. Thanks for listening. This still counts as a download towards our goal. So we really appreciate you chiming in for, you know, one minute and 15 seconds. We'll discuss that uh, after this. How you doing? Is uh, is fantasy treating you any better than it's treating me? I'm getting destroyed in uh, the league of record. It's bad. I'm zero and two in the league of record. Um, my bench is putting up more points than my starters. That's good. There's not a whole lot on the waiver wire to improve my team, so that's also not good. Um, I'm four and four, so I've won two games in two leagues, and I've lost two games in two other leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm winning in Taco Corp, and I just almost doubled up Nathan Mullen in points. Ooh. I called him to do a wellness check this week. He did not answer. He called me back, but I was preoccupied, so I'm assuming he's fine. I don't know who has all the wins in this league, but someone has them. We don't have them. But uh, we have another listener question, Matt. Are you good to take this before we break down these week three NFL matchups? Um, wow, you you read my mind. I also what? had a listener slide into my DMs with a question. So why don't we start with yours? and then This uh, is awesome. I'll break mine down. Love the, love the engagement, guys. Love it. Absolutely. All right. Twitter user at Hackett Journey writes, Hey, guys. Thanks for answering my question last week. You're welcome. That insight helped a lot. I have another one for this week. When do you recommend getting the offensive play call to the quarterback? Right away? Or wait as long as possible to really confuse the opposition? Thanks. I'll let you take this one. I hope you enjoyed the Italian food and also the late fourth quarter call. Glad you're back, Nathan. We love you. We love to hear from you. So, look, there's more than one way to skin a cat. I'm not going to lie to you, Hackett. I'm not going to tell you that my way of doing things is the greatest way of all time. I'm not that guy. I like to tell you what I think's best. And, you know, depending on how you respond or how it fits in with what you're trying to do, go ahead, go ahead and execute. Um, My thoughts are get the play call in as soon as possible. That way you avoid, you know, crowd noise, anything interfering with your quarterback, relaying that play to your offensive line, wide receivers, running backs, and all of those sorts of things. So this, this is unrelated, but in the Broncos game in week two, Every time I was on the screen, all I could hear was the fans counting down. You get three to four days of prep during the week. I would I would recommend, you know, set a timer, put a little put a little timer on your Fitbit or Apple Watch, and it, have it repeat every 44, 45 seconds, and then just you know see how good you can do. Time yourself. Have someone with a stopwatch. I'm pretty sure you have yeah. stopwatches in the facility, training facility. Have a stopwatch. You know, time how fast can they play? Damn, Nathan, that went in like <laughs> two seconds. Way to go! So let's uh, let's yeah, focus on that. I think you'll be all right. Yeah. Hack it. So what's that other question you got? Oh, slid yeah. into your DMs. All right. So this one is from at Kevin Stefanski two huh. on Twitter. And he writes in and says, Hey guys, love the show. Love to see you answering questions for my main man, Hackett over there in Denver, presumably. Um, and then he writes in just a quick question on what your thoughts are 
on scoring touchdowns with less than two minutes to go when you're already up one score late in the fourth. P.S. Boxers, briefs, tidy whities or plugs. Thanks, guys. I got I got this one. Okay. So I'll start with the the second part of that two part question. Mm-hmm. Tidy whities Yeah, they're the most comfortable. They keep everything secure. Uh, they're old, reliable. They've been around for for generations, and they're going to be around for generations to come. The first answer: your star quarterback, your franchise quarterback that you just paid two hundred and thirty million. Is that is that correct? Two. Uh, he's suspended for eleven games. So you have to stress to your players to just get down. Let's kill this clock. Let's walk out of here with a W because we're recording this on Friday. The Browns have already won their Thursday night matchup with the Steelers. They could be three and zero right now and in great shape through what three games of this 11 game suspension. But now you're two and one, you lost to the jets in an embarrassing fashion. So couldn't agree more. Tidy whities with the plug. That's a great pairing. Well, well said, Tony. Those are Tony's words, not mine. Well said, Tony. Well said. All right. Before we start the week three preview, how'd we do last week? Better, uh, better than week one. Nope. Uh, nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. Uh, slightly better for you. You did one game better than me. You went uh, nine and six last week. Okay. So you've gone nine and six and nine and seven. Um, we didn't do Thursday Night Football last week or this week. So uh, that brings you to a score of 18 and 13. Okay. Not bad. Eh. Not bad. I went eight and seven because I picked the Minnesota Vikings win. That was really what sealed the deal for you is the Eagles. So I hedged my emotional bets. I was happy either way. I love it. And I am 17 and 14 after two weeks. I mean, not bad. We're uh, we're over five hundred, considering all the volatility these first two weeks have offered. I think I think we'll be all right. I agree. But either way, let's go ahead and get back on track this week. The season so far has really chapped my ass from a fantasy aspect and from a sports betting aspect. In our first week three matchup, though, we have the Houston Texans going to Chicago to take on the Bears. This over under is set at thirty eight. Matt, the Bears are favored by three. Who you got? Over under of thirty eight points. That tells you everything you need high. to know about this game. And I still might take the under, to be honest with you. These Neither of these teams have scored any significant amount of points in the last two weeks. Um, that being said, I'm going to take the Texans. It's in Chicago? It is. They get the field goal uh, at home. I'm going to take the Texans. Uh, I'm going to take the Texans. They, they, they kind of, their defense has kind of been playing pretty good. They played pretty good against Colts. They played pretty good against them. You know, Nathaniel Hackett, longtime listener and longtime fan, and the Broncos. Um, their, uh, their defensive lines getting after quarterbacks. Davis Mills struggled last week after we gave him all the love as Bronchiosaurus neck, and that didn't yeah. do much for him. But I think he bounces back against the Chicago defense that, outside of a monsoon win against the Niners in week one, I still have a lot of questions about. So I'm going to take the Texans. All right. We are on opposing ends right from the get-go. I like it. So the Texans have given up 163 yards per game on the ground through two weeks in 2022. That's good for 30th best or third worst in the league. Meanwhile, the Chicago Bears are eighth in the NFL in rushing with 139 yards per game. We know they don't throw the ball. That over-under could also be the over-under for passing yards for the Bears. So they're going to lean on the run in this game. We know we know that, right? They were trailing, what, by two scores against the Packers in the second half, and they were just running the ball. They weren't throwing at all. So I believe that's exactly what they're going to be able to do here uh, with success against the Texans. Give me the Bears. And then players I'm watching, uh, Damian Pierce. So he went from a 29% to a 63% snap share. Huge ju- uh, jump from week one to week two. 
And then he had a 41% of the rush attempts in week one. That increased to 79% of the rush attempts in week two. Burkett had zero carries in week two. So you like all of that for Damian Pierce. Yeah, also looking at Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet on the Chicago side of the things you you mentioned that they don't throw the ball. I mean, yeah. the whole priest is like, well, someone's got to catch the ball. Not if they don't throw it. <laughs> so I have a couple of those guys. They are on the bench until further notice. Hopefully they can get involved a little bit and put up some type of floor from a passing number standpoint. But it's yeah. rough. It's rough in Chicago. I'm in the same boat with those guys. All right, next matchup. The Raiders, they go to Tennessee to take on the Titans. This over-under set at 45 and a half. The Raiders are road favorites at minus two. What do you got? Loser go home. Loser goes home for the AFC. Both teams, you know, touted as possible playoff teams going into the season. The Titans obviously still have the best chance because the Colts also suck. Right now, the Jacksonville Jaguars are your AFC South leading um, team through two weeks. I'm going to take the Titans at home. They lost a tough game today, ball on the Giants. They lost by a lot to the Buffalo Bills, but that's the Buffalo Bills. And the Raiders are fresh off of two fourth quarter collapses in a row. Mm-hmm. And overtime collapse to the Cardinals. I'm taking the Texans. I think their Henry is going to have a good day. I think that uh, even though it's a banged up defensive front for Tennessee, there's not a whole lot blocking defenders from getting to cars. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Titans at home. I like it. The Titans are exactly what David hoped they would be this year. Las Vegas, though, as you mentioned, they're coming off a loss. They had in the bag. And I don't think they let that happen again, though. Give me the Raiders. You need a one-dimensional Titans team that is without its top pass rusher. Players I'm watching in this one, Josh Jacobs. So his snaps went from 60 to 72% from weeks one to two. And his routes actually went from 40 to 45. So they're pretty steady there, though. He's not getting the targets. He only has two on the year. And the Raiders' backfield only has 9% uh, target share. And that makes sense with Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, right? And then on the Tennessee side, Traylon Burks. His snap percentage went from 37 up to 45 I think all the starters got pulled, so that's probably a little low. Probably would have been a little bit higher if that game was competitive. And his targets went from 21% to uh, 24%. So I think the arrow's pointing up for Traylon Burks, and I think he's uh, one of the more efficient rookie receivers in this class so far. He's uh, second, really, only to one rookie wide receiver. <laughs> uh, the one that your boy chose over the one yeah. you chose. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, definitely watching all those guys. Looking to see if um, the Devontae Adams, obviously, huge game one kind of, you know, uninvolved week two, so we'll see what happens here in week three. Moving on to the next matchup, we have the Chiefs going to Indy to take on the 0-1-1 Colts. This over-under set at 49.5. The Chiefs are favored by six and a half. We got What a bad start to the season for the Indianapolis Colts. You, you tie in week one against the Texans team that you should have dominated. You know, that's week one that happens. Week two, you get shut out in Jacksonville. You lose by 24 points to Jacksonville Jaguars. And, uh, yeah, it's it's tough. You know, you don't want to. If you if you pull your hamstring, your doctor's not going to tell you to go try to run a marathon. Like, he's going to tell you to get stay home, rest, ice, heat, ice, heat, ice, and definitely don't go play the Chiefs. Don't play the Chiefs if you're struggling. Don't play the Chiefs. For them, those schedules are made well in advance. Yeah. Do, in fact, have to play the Chiefs. I am taking the Chiefs. Feeling very comfortable. Very comfortable about that pick. Smart. I think uh, Gus Bradley is running the defense on the Indy side. And I believe the Chiefs smoked the Raiders last time they played against Gus Bradley's defense. So uh, the Colts, though, they have now tied with the Houston Texans, as you mentioned. And they lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars in a pretty embarrassing fashion. This team starting out 0-2-1 wasn't something I saw coming. I don't think anybody saw it coming. They were favored to win the division, I believe. But 
they don't have the defense right now or the offense to stop the Chiefs. I've got Kansas City as well. And then players, I'm watching all of the Kansas City wide receivers. Um, do we have a reliable fantasy option outside of Travis Kelsey? Juju has an 80% route share, 15% target share. MBS, 83% route share, 16% target share on the season. Hardman, 59% route share and 14% target share. And then Sky Moore, not even worth mentioning. Likely droppable in redraft, but just going to continue to monitor this, see if any of these guys kind of pull ahead from the other bunch of receivers. Also looking to see if Clyde edwards lair comes back down a little bit. He's, what, top five in fantasy points, but he's like 20th in touches through two weeks. He's been uber efficient, including two touchdown receptions at the goal line in week one. But they're using Isaiah Pacheco about as much as we expected, which is quite a bit. Um, McKinnon's coming in in spurts. So I, we'll see what happens with, I think Clyde edwards lair is kind of a sell-high candidate. I think he kind of comes back down to earth a little bit over the coming weeks. We'll see. Though. We'll see. I agree with you. Uh, next matchup, the Bills. They go down to Miami to take on the Dolphins. This over-under high set at 53. The Bills are road favorites at five and a half. We got uh, the Bills. The Bills are the Bills right now. And until they're no longer the Bills, they're going to be the Bills. So I'm taking the Bills. I, I really like Tua. Tanga Bailoa. Do, do you like Tua? Tanga Bailoa. Yes, I like Tua. You like, you like two of these in your mouth? Oh, that's so good. Uh, big week for him in Baltimore. Kind of a that was Dan, that was a fun game. Lamar and Tua going back and forth, back and forth, sea song. I think that says more about the Ravens than it does the Dolphins, but maybe I'm just hating on the Dolphins. Dolphins are 2 0. Bills are 2 0. It's gonna be a good matchup. It's gonna be a fun matchup. Hopefully the you know, the barbecue police, the newly installed barbecue police in Miami are gonna be, you know, checking the parking lot for any mm-hmm. car fires. But I do expect the Bills to douse the flames of Tua in the stadium. Yeah, as fun as it was watching the Dolphins score at will through the air against the Ravens last week, this Bills defense, it's different. It's a different beast. They've been able to shut down the run and pass games for the Titans and the Rams now, and I don't think there's any reason to believe that changes against the Dolphins. I know it's kind of the easy pick, but give me the Bills as well. Players, I'm watching Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. So Tyreek Hill's target share has gone from 39 to 26%. So he's the wide receiver three on the year in PPR. And then Jalen Waddle's target share has gone from 16 to 38. It ballooned to in week two. He's currently the wide receiver five on the year through two weeks. So I think last week we discussed a little bit about uh, those target shares kind of flipping a little bit or maybe Tyreek's decreasing. It did in a big way, but going to see how that plays against a, a defense that I think they're missing a couple of corners, but they should be better. I don't know if Tua is going to have as much time to throw. Also, Gabe Davis should be on the field for Buffalo. They threw up, you know, forty plus points on the Titans without Gabe Davis, seemingly their number two passing option. So we'll see if he gets back involved in the offense this week. Yeah, they did all that in like what two and a half quarters. Yeah. All right. Next matchup: the Lions. They go to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. This over/under is also high, set at fifty-three and a half. The Vikings are home favorites. Uh, they get six points. Who are you taking? Thinking long and hard about this one. Yeah, Lions are coming off back-to-back 30-plus point efforts. Just throwing – they have, like, the second or third best EPA per play in the entire NFL through two weeks. And one of those weeks was against the Eagles, who just are fresh (laughs) off a shutdown of the Minnesota Vikings. So there's a lot – they both played one of the same teams and had – they both lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, but it was definitely different games. Lions were in there late. Um, It's at home, I think – Connell gets Minnesota back on track. And I think Justin Jefferson gets back on track because that secondary is not as good as the Eagles secondary, specifically the CB1. Um, Slade pretty much shadowed Justin Jefferson all game, and I don't think 
that the Lions are set up to do that. Look what they no. allowed A.J. Brown to do in week one. So I'm going to take the Vikings, although I would not take the six. I would try to tease that down, money line it. I, I think the Lions cover the six, though. It's what the Lions do. They cover. I thoroughly enjoyed watching Kirk Cousins lose yet another primetime game last week. However, they played the number two rushing offense and a top five defense in the NFL. I don't think the Lions are going to come close to either of those things anytime this season, and the Vikings should be able to get back on track, as you mentioned. Players I'm watching, Amon Ra, St. Brown, not because there's any questions about his usage, but because he's starting to enter stud territory. So 91% route participation, 34% target share. He's the wide receiver four on the year in PPR, and that's with TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift on the field. I don't know what the excuse would be now. He also dropped a long touchdown in week one against the Eagles. It was like a 30-yarder, and he dropped it. He ended up getting one later, but it was it was on a different drive. It could have been two touchdowns. He's been impressive, to say the least. It's fun. It's fun to watch him. Next matchup, the Ravens go to New England to take on the Patriots. Over-under is set at 43.5. The Ravens are road favorites. They get a field goal. Who are you taking? I'll take the Ravens to bounce back off that devastating loss to the Dolphins. They had a strong week one win. I think they could have had that game if their defense played any type of shell coverage or big, you know, just any type of like, hey, let's let's let them complete a seven yard pass and not a third. Because there was a couple yak plays where it was taken to the house. There was a couple just Tyreek Hill just getting behind a lone safety. Like, I don't. Yeah. They played Tua. Tanga Bailoa. And the Dolphins explosive offense. Now they play the Patriots and an offense got the job done in week two, but I don't see them getting the job done in week three taking the Ravens on the road. Yeah, the Ravens offense hasn't missed a beat without Hollywood Brown. In fact, I don't think I've seen a drop touchdown yet from Devin DuVernay or Rashad Bateman. Brown, I think, was good for one of those every one or two games. So you don't have issues with the offense so far in 2022. You can and you should have uh, issues with the defense. Tua lit up the secondary last week, as you mentioned. My argument for this week is that Mac Jones doesn't have a Tyreek Hill. He doesn't have a Jalen Waddle. He doesn't even have a Mike Gesicki. I'm taking Baltimore as well. And then players I'm watching, Rashad Bateman, he's gone from 71 to 74% route participation and an 18 to 25% target share. Those are great numbers for him. And then on the other side, uh, Jacoby Myers, wide receiver 23 on the year, very usable, 88% route participation with a 31% target share. That's huge. And final player running back in New England, Ramondre Stevenson. So he went from a 32 to a 62% snap share. That's huge. And then a 14 to a 58% uh, route participation. So you love those numbers for Stevenson. Yeah, I'm looking at the backfields. J.K. Dobbins, does he get on the field this week? If he does, what does he look like? Am I still holding out hope from the pre-2021 season? You know, our longtime listeners can remember that I'm I'm a huge J.K. Dobbins guy. So we'll we'll see if he gets back on and starts executing at the talent level that he's capable of. And then you mentioned it, Stevenson coming on. Damon Harris had a good good week last week though, so we'll see if he uh we'll see if that continues, if they're both usable. I think they both have, honestly. So all right, moving on to the Bengals. They go to New York to take on the Jets. This over under is set at forty five. The Bengals are favored by five. Who you got? Look, guys, I'm not right about a lot of things. And when I am right, I like to throw it in people's faces. Preseason, um called the Bengals uh miss the playoff kind of team. Yeah. How's that looking through two weeks and losses to teams they should not have lost to. Uh, I feel bad for the Bengals' defense because they've been playing pretty decent through two weeks, but they did let Cooper Rush drive late on them in the fourth quarter to set up a game-winning field goal, so you hate to see it. That being said, it's the Jets. I think Burrow's going to have a big day. 
it's the Jets. They just come off a crazy emotional win against the Browns in Cleveland. Crazy to see it. I don't think they'll be able to replicate those results through two weeks, although I will allow you to say that Joe Flacco is like top five in passing yards through three weeks. I think he's top three. He might be top three through two weeks. I think it was like Tua, Tanga Bailoa. Carson Wentz, and Joe Flacco through two weeks of the NFL. Uh, wild, 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 wild league we watch, but I yeah. think that the uh, the Bengals do enough to get the offense going right this week. I think they win. Did you uh, did you stretch before your premature victory lap? Before all that, I didn't I don't want you to pull anything. I pull things all the time. It's premature, but it also isn't. It's the AFC, and the most of the other teams that we thought were going to be dominant in the AFC have turned out to be so. There's some hope with the Herbert Charger situation shaking out the way it is, but the Dolphins are two and zero. Like mm-hmm. Dolphins two and zero. Bills are a force. Ravens look like they might run away with this division at some point. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, the damn Jets beat the Browns in week two. Nobody enjoyed that outside of New York. Oh, I enjoyed that. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Pump the brakes. Just because Deshaun Watson's not on the field does not mean I am not rooting against them every chance I get. Look, shout out Kevin Stefanski too. You're my boy, but I love that you listen, but I know you didn't choose Brady Watson, but I'm rooting for your guys to lose every single week. Sorry, Kendall. All right. Somehow Joe Flacco brought them back in that game to win it. You hate to see it. I don't care what Matt's saying. This weekend, the Jets get the winless Bengals. And this is the week Cincinnati turns things around. Burrow has been under constant pressure, but the Jets aren't the Cowboys or the Steelers with TJ Watt in terms of quarterback pressure. Uh, So that pocket should be cleaner. Even if it isn't, give me the Bengals. Save your receipts, Matt. And the players I'm watching, Elijah Moore versus Garrett Wilson. I think that's the hot topic. Uh, Elijah Moore has a 91% route participation and 13% target share, so he's on the field more so far. And then Garrett Wilson has a 63% route participation with a 24% target share. So when he's on the field, dude's getting targeted at a high volume. In uh, week two, he had a 34% target share. It's kind of beefing those numbers up a little bit. Yeah, Joe Flacco's looking his way early and often. Remember, oh, yeah. Garrett Wilson said that Joe Flacco throws a friendly, uh, a wide receiver friendly ball. And that's, uh, he knew, you know, Carson Wentz does the whole Bible study thing. Joe Flacco likes his ego massage. So shout out Garrett Wilson for uh, for understanding that as a young rookie. Good for you. Smart. Also, in this game, looking to see, again, the T. Higgins, uh, Jamar Chase splits, see how that goes. And uh, the backfield for the Jets. Are we starting? At what point do we see Brees Hall take this over? He looked explosive in week two, um, but the snaps were almost 50 50. I don't know the exact numbers in front of me, but when I looked earlier, they were almost 50 50 split between him and Michael Carter. So we'll see if Brees Hall um, continues to take more and more of that run game away from the incumbent. Absolutely. Uh, next game, we got your Eagles traveling to Washington to take on the Commanders. This over under set at 47. Philly is favored by six and a half. You're taking Philly, obviously. Yeah, as an Eagles fan, though, I'll tell you, this is the game they lose, right? They they show out on a Monday night against a team that just fresh off beating Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, and they look dominant. People people all over the NFL put them in their top five power rankings, some as high as top two or three behind the Bills and Chiefs, and you're like, fly, Eagles fly. And then they go and play an old, an ex-quarterback in Carson Wentz and get the breaks beat. This is classic Eagles behavior. That being said, I'm trying to stay in the moment, remain unbiased for my Eagles fandom. It burned me last week, and uh, I'm taking the Eagles. I'm, I'm, I'm betting on the talent that we've seen on the field in 2022. I'm trying to forget the past. This is a coaching staff that's only two years old, and we, most of these players are new in the last two years, last three years, and Howie Roseman is the only you know through line of this Eagles team over the last 20 years, and what does he do? He builds good defenses, and he builds good, well-balanced yep. teams. 
talented, well-balanced teams. They should have a good week against Carson Wentz. If anybody knows how to get to Carson Wentz, it should be the Eagles. So let's see what happens. As much as I enjoy revenge narratives, I also understand that the Eagles are a solid football team. They have that top five offensive line and a top five defense. They did let Detroit stick around in week one. I get it, but we all saw what they can be against the Vikings, who smoked Green Bay in week one. You mentioned that. I think they make easy work of Carson Wentz. Give me Philly as well. Players I'm watching this one, Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel. So Dotson has a 95% route participation, only 11% target share, but dude's wide receiver 15 on the year. I think those two touchdowns in week one help. Uh, I believe he got caught one in week two as well. And then Samuel, 86% route participation, and then he's received 23% of the target so far. He's also got some carries in there. He's wide receiver eight on the year. Starting to look like the Samuel from a couple years ago uh, from that Scott Turner offense in Carolina. Yeah, it's crazy. And Terry McLaurin's not in that. No, he's behind both of these guys. Obviously, CF Antonio Gibson continues to operate at a high level with Brian Robinson out of the lineup. For sure. Next matchup, the Saints. They go to Carolina to take on the Panthers. Over-under here is set at 40.5. The Saints are favored by a field goal. Who are you taking in this one, Matt? Yeah, the Saints, and I don't feel good about it because it's not like I think the Saints are that good, to be honest with you. They struggle to put up 10 points against the Bucks, but that's the thing that teams are having trouble with this year, scoring on the Bucks. Mm-hmm. So they kind of get a pass there. Um, and then they needed some late fourth quarter heroics to beat Falcons team that's all too good at giving up late leads. So it's not like the Saints are cruising into this week one and one and have been dominant thus far, but good thing for them, they're facing the Carolina Panthers who have looked pretty abysmal and pretty lost on offense the defense has done a decent job of holding other teams somewhat in check that offense is just it looks lost there's no other word to use for for baker mayfield company yeah i'm feeling a uh a mailbag question coming from uh twitter user at rule matt or at matt rule so we'll see but uh the saints team nearly beat a bucks team last week that projects to make a deep playoff run they can run the ball they can play defense at a pretty elite level, and they have several weapons for James to throw the ball to. Uh, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave. Couple all of that with the Panthers, who rank 29th in the NFL in rushing defense, allowing 160 yards a game. I've got the Saints and to cover in this one. Players I'm watching, the New Orleans receivers. Just mentioned all of them. Uh, Michael Thomas, 86% route participation, 24% of the targets. He's the current wide receiver nine on the year. Jarvis Landry, 79% of the routes, 18% of the targets. He's the wide receiver, 34. And then Chris Olave, 84% of the routes, 23% of the targets. That's very high for a rookie, but he's currently sitting at wide receiver, 43. So, And we'll see if uh, Kamara's back healthy. We'll see if he plays this weekend. If he does, if he's able to get to anywhere near the caliber that people drafting him in the second round are hoping he fits. Yeah, I think he's questionable with the rib injury. Mm-hmm. Practice two straight days in a row, I believe. Wednesday, Thursday, or Thursday, Friday, but still remain to be seen if he'll be out there for the Saints. Yep. Next matchup, the Jaguars. They go to L.A. to take on the Chargers. This over-under set at 47.5. The Chargers are favored by a touchdown. Who you got? Uh, This all hinges on whether or not Herbert plays. Is Herbert for sure playing? I believe he's been limited. Let me fact-check that. I'll take the Chargers, unless Herbert's not playing, in which case, obviously, I'm probably still taking it. No. (laughs) The Jags, obviously, been frisky through two games. Close nail-biter of a loss to Washington in week one, where they were kind of going punch for punch late, touchdown for touchdown late in the game, and they narrowly lost that one. And then they fresh off a 24-0 beatdown on the division favorite Indianapolis Colts. So uh, Jags not a complete, you know, roadkill of a dead turd out there. 
Um, so this should make it a little bit interesting, hopefully interesting enough for the Chargers to have to continue putting points up to make this an exciting fantasy affair. But with Herbert and company, the Chargers should dominate this game. Yeah, Herbert sat out practice on Friday. He's going to be a game time decision going into the, the matchup on Sunday. Uh, these two teams, though, they're both one and one. But the difference between them is that the Chargers have played the Raiders and the Chiefs, while the Jaguars have played the Commanders and a depleted Colts team. I've got the Chargers if Justin Herbert plays. Uh, they get the touchdown at home, but, you know, pending Herbert sitting out, I take them to cover as well. And then players I'm watching, Christian Kirk, dude's balling out. He's got a 93% route participation, pretty decent target share at 24%. He's the wide receiver seven overall so far in 2022. And then on the other side, Austin Eckler's usage, kind of concerning, 56% of the snaps, 51% of the rushes, and then he's got a 51% route participation and pretty high 17% target share. Yeah, the Eckler, we talked about it. You know, shouldn't be surprised any Austin Eckler owners out there that, that the usage was going to be down. That's something that, you know, they're looking to keep Eckler around for a long playoff run. And it's, you know, shooting their wad with 30 carries in week the first four weeks of the season is not what they're looking to do. So you hope he gets into the end zone. If he gets in the end zone, he makes him. Obviously, you're going to start him if you have him. You can't. He's too explosive not to bench him. Just something to be wary of when, we, when you draft him, and it's something to monitor throughout the season. Because Joshua Kelly... It's getting some uh, getting some three four yard runs on a clip. Yeah, and uh, the goal line usage for this backfield. I think uh, last week we saw Sony Michelle with the first crack at it. It was a goal to go, and then the fullback I forget his first name Horvath scored the touchdown on a pass. What? Yeah. What? Horvath. He's had a couple of touchdowns this year, Mike, or a couple looks at touchdowns. That's just sometimes you get like a Kyle Shanahan-y, like trying to be too clever and just pisses fantasy owners off. That's exactly what's happening here. Next matchup, the Rams. They go to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. This over-under is set at 49. The Rams are favored by three and a half. What do you got? Rams. Rams. Like McVeigh has owned Cliff Kingsbury. I think he's 5-1 and one on him since Cliff centered the league as the Cardinals head coach. Cardinals fresh off a very emotional win that should have been a loss. They should be 0-2, <laughs> looking listless coming into this game against the Super Bowl winners who are having their own struggles. I'm not going to say it's been all sun shines and yeah. rainbows for the Los Angeles Rams, but uh, they're one and one and they're going up against a team that they should be better at across the board. The Rams defense is struggling a little bit to stop offenses. So maybe Kyler and company get a little, little something going, but um, if it goes, if again, if it goes knockout shot for knockout shot, I see the Rams coming out on top of that. Just too much talent on offense for them to not win this game. Too much Aaron Donald on defense. I like it. Uh, the Rams are 10 and two against the Cardinals in the Sean McVay era. And the Cardinals, uh, through two weeks, have given up 488 yards to the Chiefs and 324 yards to a Raiders team that pulled a Kyle Shanahan and took their foot foot off the gas pedal. I think the fans near the end zone uh, were popping champagne or something, like in the first half. They were pop- At the end of the first half, they were popping bottles of champagne <laughs> in um, the Black Hole Club or whatever the hell they're calling it. I used to go to a call called the Black Hole Club. You want, do you want to talk about it? No, nah, I'm not allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> Strict orders for my uh, legal representation to uh, shouldn't have probably even brought that up, but uh, here we are. Poland, keep it under wraps. Poland, keep it down. Say nothing to no one. We'll move on then. The Cardinals' defense isn't good, and the Rams should have their way on offense. Uh, on defense, Aaron Donald is going to be a problem for Kyler Murray. He always is that interior pressure. Give me the Rams. I also saw a trailer, Matt, for Modern Warfare Two. It's a free open beta. Starts I think tonight, maybe tomorrow. So even more reason to take LA. And then players I'm watching, Allen Robinson, dude uh, has a 97% route participation so far, and then 5% uh, 
uh, target share in week one up to 15% in week two should have had two touchdowns in week two. I don't know if you saw that second one. They blew the play dead after, like maybe two or three seconds into the play. Didn't make sense. I understand there was a player, uh, I think, who was showing concussion symptoms. but And then Tyler Higby, another guy, 88% route participation, 25% target share, massive for a tight end. So if he maintains that or anywhere close to that, should keep him in tight end one territory on the year. Yeah, tight ends this year have been bananas. Some of these, like, high-usage guys like... Tyler Higby, Tyler Conklin, like just some dudes that you could have picked up off the streets. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I drafted Kyle Pitts. Yep. I drafted tight end early, they said. Get yourself a positional advantage, they said. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. We're the ones they said that. It was us. We said that. I'm going to blame you. X matchup. The Falcons, they go to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. This over-under set at 42. Seattle is the home favorites. They get two points, not the full field goal. Who are you taking? Yeah, taking Seattle in this one. As much as we thought they were going to be a really bad team this year, and it's not that they've been good. They're one and one, and they're home favorites in week three. So this is a decent start from them, Pete Carroll and company. But I'm, I'm taking them to win this game. Atlanta showed some late heroics last week against the against the Rams, almost won that one. They lost the game. They just roller coaster of emotions going on in Atlanta. I don't know if you've seen some of Arthur Smith's comments about Kyle Pitts and fantasy and it's uh they're an interesting team to watch they're kind of fun drake london there's some some like really big bodies on that field when they're on offense and mariota does enough with his feet um to make it interesting but i I just seattle's just doing a good job of playing playing good defense playing disciplined defense and not really giving up too much so i I like them to get a their second win of the year at home yeah i want to take atlanta but how can i get behind a team that has been doing everything they can to win but that doesn't include getting the ball into the hands of their biggest playmaker in Kyle Pitts. They're also on the road in Seattle, 12th man. There's going to be noise. It's going to be loud. I'm taking the Seahawks as well. And the players I'm watching, you mentioned him, uh, Drake London. Dude's had an 85% route participation so far, 32% target share. It's going to come down, but that is massive. I think that leads all rookies. You're probably smiling about that. (laughs) And then Kyle Pitts, 81% route participation, only an 18% target share. That's going to go up. This might be like last week when we were talking about Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle kind of hitting some regression to the mean. I think we'll see some of that as the season continues. Yeah, I mean, you love to see it. There's some Drake London owners out there. You love to see the, the utilization. Yes, it will come down, but I, I think it'll probably settle in somewhere around 25%. Quarter of the quarter of the targets are probably going to still keep funneling into Drake London's way. And there's no reason not to. Their defense isn't going to be pitching shutouts to where they're ahead late in games. And so, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's a good position for him to be in. They're going to be behind. They'll probably lose this game. See some Rashad Penny. See how that run game works out for Seattle. <laughs> What's the over-under on how many uh, running backs are going to be in the Seattle backfield? Oh, God. How many do they have on the roster? That's the under. <laughs> and then the over is that they have somebody who's not a running back play tailback for that during game. Such a Pete Carroll thing. Like, I don't know which running back we're going to use. So when it's goal to go, we're just going to throw all of them in the backfield. They just like He just looks at the sideline, and he just looks at him. He's like, all right, that one's not breathing the most. That one's breathing the least. He looks the least winded. Let's go ahead and throw him in there. He's probably the freshest. <laughs> It's like, it's like DJ Dallas just chugged a Gatorade. Put him in. Put him in. Get him on the goal line. Let's go. Oh, I hate Pete Carroll so much. Next game, Green Bay. They go to Tampa Bay to take on the Bucks. The over-under set at 42, and Tampa Bay is favored to win by one and a half. Who you got? This is the second hardest game for me to pick this week. Taking Green Bay. Taking the Packers. Tom Brady, his marriage is in shambles. His offensive line is in shambles. Julio Jones isn't practicing right now. 
Green Bay Packers are starting to figure something out on offense, and that is, hey, we have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, probably the two, not probably, the best one-two punch running back in all of football. They both can run. They both can catch. It's not like we're tipping our hand when they're in the game. It's not like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. If Nick Chubb's back there, you know that he's not receiving the ball. Or if Kareem Hunt's back there, there's a 30 to 40% chance he'll run, but probably a much higher percentage chance he's going to run a route. Uh, both of these guys can do both of those things. Maybe these rookie wide receivers, this uh, younger, inexperienced group wide receiver, got another week of practice in with Aaron Rodgers, and they start to figure that out. I still project Green Bay to be top top of the league by the end of the season. We'll see how that keeps playing out. But give me Green Bay to win. I just the Bucks have like barely won two games where they scored twenty points or less against teams that I don't think are very good. So we'll see how that goes against a, a much better defense in Green Bay. And this probably helps your case, but Akeem Hicks, he's out for a few weeks. I still think the defensive front is one of the best in the league without Hicks. Definitely favors Green Bay in their run game. But we know the Packers are still in the forming phase of Tuckman's stages of group development. They have a long way to go. If they have trouble running the ball and passing the ball, this is going to be a very one-sided affair. Maybe something like what we saw week one, Tampa going up against Dallas, right? Either way, give me Tampa Bay. Also, I think it's funny that Scotty Miller, their white slot receiver, missed a couple of tough balls from Brady like he dove. It was just beyond his reach. And the next day, the Bucks go out and sign Cole Beasley, a white slot. Nate, can we get some investigative journalism on this, please? Yeah, we need a conspiracy corner. <laughs> and on the, on the wide receiver, it's really like Tom Brady's playing bad, and he's like... Like, pissed off. Like, I've done it before. Like, I think when I was playing in the league, it's like Joe Burrow threw two interceptions. I traded him. I rage traded him. No reason to do such a dumb thing, but I did because I was pissed off. Like, Tom Brady's like, he didn't catch a pass that I overthrew by 20 yards. F***ing, let's bring somebody that does the exact same thing he does him. Yeah, I thought that was so. I saw that at least two of the passes that uh, Scotty Miller just couldn't catch. It was a really tough ball for him to catch. But uh, players I'm watching, the Green Bay receivers. Alan Lazard, 37% of the routes, 5% of the targets. Sammy Watkins. 64% of the routes, 12% of the targets. Randall Cobb, 53% of the routes, 10% of the targets. Romeo Dobbs, 52% of the routes, 14% of the targets. And Christian Watson at 51% of the routes and 12% of the targets. I think Sammy Watkins is out this week, so maybe that helps uh, pump up some of those other target shares. But right now, it's just a bunch of guys. It's kind of like the Chiefs receiving core. So just waiting to see if anyone emerges as the guy. Is it going to be Alan Lazard in his second game of the season? I don't know. Just a lot of you got to know when to hold them. And basically, you're in a holding pattern with your Chiefs wide receivers and your Green Bay wide receivers. You can't necessarily drop them because theoretically, one of these guys is going to be the go-to dude for him, Rodgers. So you can't get rid of them. But it's, uh, hopefully, like you said with Sammy Watkins, possibly missing some time this week, that situation will sort of you know, situate itself out. Absolutely. Uh, before we get into the Sunday night and the Monday night games, let's go ahead and take a quick break. He's a guy disguised as a dude playing another dude. <laughs> All right, welcome back. Moving on now to our Sunday night matchup. We have the 49ers going to Denver. Nate's going to be at this game, fun fact. Uh, the over-under set at 45, and San Fran's favored to win, rightfully so, by one and a half. We got at the 49ers, Jimmy G's in behind center. Everybody's happy. The vibes are good. Kittle's going to play. Kittle's playing. You didn't see how happy that offensive line was when Jimmy G had that quarterback sneak for a touchdown. Like, they were just like, yeah, the boys are back in town. <laughs> boys are back in town. They're just going eat. Everyone loved it. Poor Trey Lance is just sitting in a hospital bed with his ankle in a boot. Just like, oh, no. <laughs> Why? Oh, sucks to be the Niners long term, really, because they're. But short term, this week, they'll be good. Denver Broncos and our main man, one of our number one fans, Hackett. Love the guy. Love these interactive the show, but 
he's still got a little ways to go as far as mm-hmm. coaching a competent offense is concerned. And Russ is looking a little uh, rusty. Yeah, not, right? I don't. It's not like he missed a lot of time, and he's coming from. You know, I just. He's not looking like the Russ of old, the Russ of yore. He just kind of looks like a guy out there struggling. I mean, the production's there between the 20s, but they get to the red zone. It's like a show. And maybe that's bad play calling. Maybe that's bad coaching. Uh, Maybe that's just, I don't know. It's crazy to me. My favorite story I read last week was that, I think Tyler Lockett was calling out to the Seattle defense what plays Russ was running based on his signals because he hadn't changed them. It's like, come on, dude. What do you, (laughs) he spent so much time worrying about. Broncos country, let's ride, <laughs> as opposed to actually doing anything. What the catchphrase was going to be, yeah. <laughs> um, Something in the Niners, although I wouldn't be shocked if the the Broncos broncoed this week and lived up to some hype and expectation. There's a f- ton of talent on that offensive side of the ball, but I, I think the Niners win this game. It might be without Jerry Judy. I think right now he holds a questionable tag. Uh, no. Did you see that there's a, a chick on Twitter? She's been drawing Jimmy G for, I think, 230-some-odd days now. And her, her thing is, like, drawing Jimmy G until he gets traded. And I think she's on t- day 233. I feel bad for her because he's not going anywhere this season. No, she's going to. She's drawing a new, like, she has 239 separate drawings of Jimmy G. Or yeah. she's just doing, like, a different part of the body every day. No, it's a different pick. Like, I think uh, uh, Trey Lance went down last week. I think the picture the next day was, like, Thanos, but drawn as Jimmy G, like, snapping his fingers, saying he is inevitable. Pretty good. It's, she's pretty good. She does it on, like, a... Uh, Photoshop or something, so it's not like hand drawn. All right, I dig it. But uh, I also have the Niners for pretty much every reason you said. There's like a little bit of variance I felt with Trey Lance. With Jimmy G, you know what you're gonna get. They're consistent. Maybe their ceiling's a little bit capped, but that's fine. They're gonna beat most of the teams in the NFL, you know, every Sunday. So give me the 49ers players I'm watching. Brandon Ayuk. So dude has had 97% of the route participation, 19% target share. That went from 8% in week one, which monsoon, right? but up to 33% in week two. And a lot of that was with Jimmy G. So that's promising. Uh, he grabbed 47% of San Fran's air yards as well in week two. So you'd love to see all that. And uh, I was all about IU going the season. I have him in a handful of places. I think I have him in Taco Corp. Or do I, I have him in either Taco Corp or 50 of us. I have him uh-huh. in the leagues. And uh, I'm stoked to have him. I'm excited. The first game, Monsoon, but he was on the, he was on the field the most out of any wide receiver. And he'll he continue. Uh, Debo's in a Debo, but I think Ayuk's that that really steady you know, passing option for Jimmy G. I think it's going to be a good year for him. Mm-hmm. He's the dude who gets a little further downfield, so I think that's all his. Uh, moving on now to the Monday night matchup, Dallas. They go to New York to take on the Giants. Over-under set at 39.5. The Giants are home favorites. They get two points. You got The Giants are home favorites at 2-0. Words that we didn't think we'd be saying. At home, 2-0. Manning Cass is going to be Liddy. I'm taking the Giants. Whoa. No, I'm not. Take the Cowboys. <laughs> Taking the Cowboys. Cooper Rush is looking awful. Awful good. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good way to put it. He's got a luscious V going from his chest pubes down to his ball fro, and he's slinging it. I think the Giants have faced two listless teams through two weeks. I think they're going to come up. And defensively, I think they'll do just fine. It's not going to be a high-scoring game. I wouldn't take the over. I think defensively, no. they'll do just fine against the, the Cowboys offense, but... What I'm concerned about is that offensive line, Daniel Jones going up against Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs, and that defense that's been look, they played a terrible week one. They only they the Bucks only scored 19 points. Last week they held the Bengals to 17. Like they are a legit defense. 
that are going to keep them in a lot of games. And when they play teams who struggle to score offensively, they'll have a better chance than not to win them. So I am taking the Cowboys to win on the road and make the Giants 2-1. and one. Yeah, they're currently 2-0. and oh. You can't argue with their start, right? You'd rather be 2-0 and oh than 1-1 one and one or 0-2. Oh what you can argue with is the quality of those wins. Uh, they beat a Titans team that doesn't look good uh, this year out of the gate. Um, and they got by on that game with, uh, what was it, a missed Tennessee field goal. And then they beat the soon-to-be 0-3 oh Panthers. Dallas, on the other side of the ball, has a top 10, maybe top 5 defense. Got tons of pressure on Burrow last week. But they're going to play smart without Dak, which means a heavy dose of Zeke, heavy dose of Tony Pollard. I'll take that. Give me the Cowboys as well in prime time. And then players I'm watching, mentioned him, but uh, Tony Pollard. He's got a 48% snap share, 34% route participation. He's run a lot of routes and a 13% target share. So that's pretty high for a running back. The targets and routes have both increased as well week over week. And then any New York Giants receivers. So Sterling Shepard, David Sills. I don't know. I've never heard of that guy. And then Richie James. Shepard has 81% of the routes, 24% of the targets. You like that. Sills, 77% of the routes, 8% of the targets for Sills. And then Richie James, 64% of the routes, and then a substantially high 22% of the targets for a dude not getting paid. Was it $17 million a year, Kenny Galladay? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I do think Saquon will have another good game. Yes, the Cowboys defense is tough, but uh, Dayball and the company have done a pretty good job being creative about um, creating explosive plays for Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. So I think Saquon will have a big game. Yeah, volume. Volume is uh, a running back's best friend. All right, that does it for our week three NFL matchup previews. Uh, awesome. Nice work, Matt. Final thoughts before we get out of here? I uh, recently became a Jehovah's Witness. Oh? Yeah, I can uh, see it opening a lot of doors for me. <laughs> Uh, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how many doors don't open for you. Uh, week three, let's uh, let's uh, let's go, birds. Three and zero, huh? Three and zero. Are we getting wins? Are we getting wins this week, Matt? We're getting wins at 58 West King. No, I looked at my squad. It's garbage. It's no. trash. I'm relying on Carson Wentz to blow up against the Eagles. That's not going to happen. Ooh. The only thing beneficial to me is the 58 West King league is my lowest dollar value league, so yeah. it doesn't sting as bit when I lose. Yeah, it's a bargain. All right, thanks for joining us, guys. We appreciate the support again. Good luck in your fantasy matchups this week. We'll catch you guys on the other side. Say bye. Bye. Go, baby, go, baby.